Hey, All Souls Church, Pastor Harvey here. It is Palm Sunday, uh, the day that we remember and think about and celebrate the fact that Jesus came into Jerusalem. And the reason why we celebrate it is because he went as a warrior, as a hero uh, into Jerusalem and saved the world by laying down his life, defeated evil by overthrowing evil with peace. Uh, he absorbed violence. He didn't inflict it and save the world through it. And what we, what we celebrate on this Palm Sunday is the day that he came to Jerusalem. Uh, as Isaiah says, his face was set like a flint. He was focused. He knew what he came to do. And um, we give thanks to him for what he has done. And that's why we celebrate Palm Sunday. Um, well, let's go ahead and read the text. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, verses 20, 28 through 40. And uh, this is the story of what is called the triumphal entry, which we talk about and celebrate on Palm Sunday. Uh, so let's read it. Luke chapter 19, verse 28. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead and going to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Beth, Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, what are you untying? Why are you untying it? You shall say this: The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as so those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them, and they were untying the colt. As they were untying and as they were untying the colt, its owner said to him, "Why are you untying the colt?" And they said, "The Lord has need of it." And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, Jesus sat on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, teach us what you've done for us. May we focus ourselves on you on this Palm Sunday and what you came to do and how you did it. Come Holy Spirit and minister to us. Show us Jesus. We pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Well, uh, we live in a world of violence. I don't think that's any secret. You know, this, the, the, the time period that we're living in, you know, we have uh, the massive wars. We could talk about Ukraine. We could talk about many other war, wars that are going on around the world. We have uh, really extreme tensions between, uh, you know, the United States and China and Russia and other players that are kind of positioning themselves with groups. And, you know, the, the, the potential of violence, like extreme violence that could come from that. Uh, we could talk about the, you know, uh, school shootings, which have been very heartbreaking <laughs> recently and just seem to be happening almost every day. Um, we, we, in this world of violence, uh, Jesus' way sounds so strange because in a world of violence, uh, you have to fight with uh, fire with fire. You have to protect yourself. You have to, you know, 
um, inflict pain so that you don't get pain. You have, it, the, the whole idea of how the world uh, thinks about violence is that you solve violence with violence. But of course, Jesus' way is so radically different, not just on this, but on so many things. I mean, think about some of these things that are true in the gospel. That Jesus wins by losing. That's crazy to think about. He won by losing. He went to the cross. It seemed like he lost, but that's how he won. Uh, The way up is down. That seems so contradictory in the world that we live in, the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. It's, it, it functions on a totally different set of priorities. Uh, we could talk about how Jesus taught us that the first shall be last. And of course, our world teaches us that uh, the first shall be first and the last shall be last. And Jesus has a very different way of looking at all of this. And this is what he's trying to teach us. Among the other things, he teaches us in the midst of violence to turn the other cheek. Um, he, he teaches us to love our enemies. So the whole world is saying, no, you got to fight back. you got to protect yourself. Uh, if somebody comes against you, you come harder against them. If somebody tries to rob you, you shoot them. If you, it's just violence, beginning violence, and the cycle of violence never ends, and it never stops. And Jesus' way is just so radically different. He says, the way we stop that cycle is we absorb the violence. We turn the other cheek, and we don't retaliate. Uh, Jesus teaches us to love our enemies. How counterintuitive is that? I mean, everything in the world tells us that we need to hate our enemies. The whole of our society is based on this binary between the right and the left, and the right hates the left, and the left hates the right, and and that's just where people decide they're going to live. Uh, But Jesus says, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to love our enemies. And what he means by that is we're going to love those who are different than us. We're going to love those who hate us. We're going to love those who oppose us. We're going to love those who even try and harm us. We're going to love our enemies, and by loving our enemies, we really have no enemies. We only have people that we love. Jesus' way is just different. He tells us to pray for those who persecute you. This world says, persecute those who persecute you. Retaliate against those who persecute you. Sue them. Take them down. Get your pound of flesh. Jesus taught us that those who live by the sword die by the sword. And, you know, he was talking to Peter at that moment. You know, Peter, uh, you know, a very reactive kind of a person, uh, a person who made so many mistakes, uh, just, you know, in the moment as they're arresting Jesus, pulls out a sword, cuts off uh, the high priest's servant's ear, tries to fight. He, you know, he's, he's filled with madness because there's a whole battalion there. He's not going to win this war, but he's just ready to fight. And uh, Jesus says, Peter... Put down your sword. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. And the next thing he did is went to the cross. In other words, the final words of Jesus before he went to the cross was, put down your sword. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. And not, So Jesus, as he's teaching all these things, he doesn't just teach us to do these things. This is what he does. And he did it through his entire life. But of course, most profoundly, he did it at the cross. He allowed his enemies to overtake him. He loved his enemies to the end. He did not retaliate, but instead, like a lamb led to the slaughter, he was silent and he did not say a word because he knew the way he was going to overthrow evil 
was by absorbing it. He knew that the way that he was going to overthrow evil was by entering it and overcoming it, by letting it defeat him. And by letting it defeat him, he defeated it. These are the things he says in this chaotic and violent world, in the midst of wars and tensions between powerful nations and school shootings and violent crime. So my main point today is this. The king defeated evil by becoming a lamb. Now this week, uh, you know, as I'm talking about all these things, I, even though I'm a preacher, I'm not immune to the common struggle that we all face as human beings. I mean, uh, you know, with the school shootings this week, I, I was pretty deeply upset um, and, and grieved. And, and I think just after all the years since 2016, everything we went through in the pandemic and all of that, there's a certain rawness in our society right now. And, um, and the, the shootings just add this like deep burden to the whole thing. And yeah, I think this one particularly hit me for a couple of reasons that, you know, it was at a, a, a Christian school and even a, a reformed Christian school, you know, very close to the, the tribe of Christianity or the part of Christianity that we would be a part of. And uh, the pastor of the church was a young man younger than me. Uh, his only daughter was shot and killed. Um, you just, the, the weight of that, uh, not just the weight of all these shootings and the, the, the fact that there's been more people killed by the shootings in our country than there have been days in this year. It's shocking, but something about this one hit me heavily because a pastor's daughter was shot at a Christian school. And um, I don't know why, but it, it hit me really hard. And so, uh, as I do, I, I took to social media and kind of made my thoughts known and uh, offered a maybe a, a biblical Christian perspective, my perspective on some of these things and how Christians should think about them. And in the midst of all of that, you know, I posted on several platforms about these things. And in the midst of all that, I began to get the attacks from uh, people that, that said, you know, I'm t- taking this sorrowful moment to make it a, a political statement and pastors shouldn't do that and all of that. And really for me, it has nothing to do with politics, honestly. It's, it has to do with uh, people, it has to do with life, it has to do with God. <laughs> it has to do with the way of God. And I, look, I'm not surprised when the world acts like the world. I don't expect the whole of the United States to act Christian. But I do act, expect Christians to act Christian. And what I was getting is, uh, you know, all this flack from people, um, especially people that, you know, are, are very much into the gun culture, that were very upset at some of the things that I was saying about, you know, uh, the situation where we're at in our country and, how, and my perspective on how Christians should think about it. Well, in the midst of that, some of my posts made their way around to the Internet to groups of people, especially people that are big into <clears throat> the NRA and guns and all of that kind of stuff and specifically a group of Christian people that are into that. And um, the, the attacks started coming. The, the, uh, the attacks towards me, um, the slander, the saying you're a false teacher, you know, uh, name calling, all that kind of stuff. And for the most part, I just continued to delete the messages. But then uh, in, early in the morning, in a moment where I was tired and kind of caught off guard and kind of uh, feeling the weight of everything that uh, I faced with all this stuff on social media the night before and the day before. This guy sent me this, you know, nasty message, never heard of this guy, came after me, 
And I private messaged him a response that was, um, it was just sinful. Uh, I used, uh, you know, violent language. I talked about inflicting violence on this guy. You know, here I am standing up for like, we shouldn't do violence. And then I, I you know, talk about inflicting violence on this guy. And I use some words that, you know, most people would say that pastors shouldn't use, or at least publicly. And um, so anyway, uh, I, I made a massive mistake and I sinned against this guy. And, and what it was, I think, like in the midst of it is as I was feeling these raw emotions and, you know, as I was um, uh, processing the shootings and the violence and how Christians should think about it, and then getting attacks from Christians saying, you know, that I'm evil and I'm political and I'm wrong and all these things, I think, and even just some attacks on my character and threats to me and my family, uh, I got caught off guard and I sent this guy this nasty message. And, uh, you know, it was wrong. It, it was sin. So here I am, like, preaching about nonviolence, turning the other cheek, and then I get caught up in the very thing that I'm critiquing. Um, it's not uncommon. It happens uh, to us as human beings, but it's what happened. It's what I did. And as I began to think about all of that, of course, you know, I, I, I repented to this person. I, I repented to, to others. I, I asked for forgiveness. I asked for grace, you know, I, I, I tried to do everything that I could to make it right, but the reality is that I had done it, and um, it was just what it was. And I, you know, I came to this thought of like, here I am, I'm so passionate about nonviolence, especially with my background of violence that I've told you guys about before, that uh, it is so shocking that I would fall into violence myself as I'm talking about nonviolence. And as I was thinking about all of that, I was thinking about Jesus and Palm Sunday. And I was thinking about how he knew what he was about to do, and he knew what he was going into. He knew that within 24 hours, he would be, uh, or sorry, not 24 hours, within a few days, <laughs> sorry, he would be beat and whipped and mocked and that they would spit upon him and pull out his beard, that they would lie about him, that they would collude with each other against him, and that the religion of the day and the government of the day would conspire to kill him. He knew that that was what was coming, and he still went. He still entered in. He still pursued what he needed to pursue. And, and during that week, you know, we're going to talk about the entry in just a second, but right after the entry, he, he weeps and prays over Jerusalem because they won't turn, because they want the ways of this world. And then he goes into the temple, and he, the, there's that scene where Jesus flips over the tables, provoking the Pharisees, provoking the government, provoking them, calling them out, testing them, say, go ahead, come kill me. Come get me on purpose. And then he spent the next several days debating the Pharisees in the temple courts. And, and you can go and read about it, all, all the things that he went through. But he did not, in the midst of that week, as he was being accused and lied about and uh, people coming against him and people debating him and all of these things, he never gave in. And then as he went to the cross and they beat him and they whipped him and they mocked him and they spit upon him and they pulled out his beard, uh, they lied about him. Uh, with all of that, he didn't give in. 
like I did in that private message. He continued walking the path. And he continued walking the path with love, forgiveness, and grace, even in the face of hatred and violence and injustice, even in the face of the fact that he was being done very wrong. He didn't retaliate. He even said to Pilate, you know, I could call 10 legions of angels if I wanted to and annihilate this entire place. But he had a mission. And his mission as the king was to become a lamb. And that by becoming a lamb, by becoming a lamb, he was going to overthrow everything that was evil and everything that is untrue. And it began in this scene that we're looking at on Palm Sunday. And as we look through this passage on Palm Sunday, I want you to think about Jesus. And I want you to think about how courageous he is and how true he is and how full of integrity he is and how brave he is. All right, so let's look at uh, verse 28. Um, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Okay, so this is very significant because he'd kind of been avoiding Jerusalem for the most part because it was not yet his time to die. And throughout the Gospels, we see that uh, he, he would only go into Jerusalem for the feasts and he would try and even do it incognito, we see in John chapter 7, uh, because he didn't want to draw attention to himself because basically he already, there was already a warrant for him. You know, there was already, uh, they had already marked him out that they were going to take him down. And so it wasn't yet the time, but this week it was the time. And so he went up to Jerusalem. The reason you go up to Jerusalem is because it sits on a mountaintop. And so he began that journey. Now, when he drew near to Bethpage in Bethany, which is right outside of Jerusalem, right near the Mount of Olives, kind of uh, maybe to about a mile to the right of the Mount of Olives if you're standing there facing Jerusalem. Uh, and he went to, this, the, to the place, the Mount of Olives, called Olivet. And he sent two of the disciples. So he's standing on Olivet and he sends two disciples and he says, hey, Go into the village, uh, and when you get there, there's going to be a, a donkey, a colt. Uh, untie the colt and uh, come and bring it to me. So just walk in the village, you'll see the donkey. Now, if somebody comes and says, hey, uh, what are you doing? Uh, you say, well, the Lord has need of it. Now, I've always thought this scene was a bit comical because uh, the disciples were like, okay, Jesus, so you want us to walk into the village and steal somebody's colt? Uh, okay. And then if they ask us, why are you stealing my colt? We're supposed to say the Lord has need of it? Okay. Well, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> that's exactly what they did. Now, maybe, uh, maybe it was some kind of miracle or something like that that the guy was like, yeah, sure, take my colt. Or, or maybe Jesus had made prior arrangements. We don't really know. Uh, but that, that's what happened. And even with that, Jesus was taking his steps to the cross and he picked the colt on purpose the donkey, the colt, however you want to think about it. The reason why is because when a king would ride into a city to conquer it, he would ride on a white horse and say, I'm the king, I rule here now. But when a king wanted to come into a city and make peace, he would take the humble position in riding into the city on a donkey, on a colt, and in a position of humility and peace. So Jesus, even though he knows he's going so that they can inflict violence on him, he is making a declaration by writing on this donkey saying, I am coming in peace. It's a beautiful picture of who Jesus is in the midst of a violent world. In the midst of a world that wants to destroy him and kill him, he says, I'm here to make peace. I'm here to solve the problem. 
not to perpetuate the problem. It's a beautiful picture. Now, verse 36, as they rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice. So Jesus' disciples uh, would include the twelve, but then it would also include uh, the crowds that, that, that followed Jesus and loved Jesus. So you have these crowds, and then you probably also have some kind of onlookers that happen to be there for the feast. A lot of people would flood into Jerusalem for this feast. So on a normal day in the midst of the year, Jerusalem might have been 100,000 people. But at the time of this feast, it would be flooded with people from all over Israel, and there'd be a million people in the city. So people just everywhere in, you know, in this city. And um, here comes Jesus coming into the city, and his disciples are rejoicing. And they do something that we celebrate on Palm Sunday, that they are uh, waving palms. Now, uh, we find that not in this Luke passages, but in some of the other passages. I think it's in all three of the other Gospels. Uh, but there, we see that, you know, that as he's coming in, they're waving palms. So if you could get this picture in your mind of literally thousands of people, and Jesus is riding down the trail, uh, proclaiming as he's coming to the city, I'm the Messiah who makes peace. And his disciples are waving the palms, uh, calling out Hosanna, Hosanna, which means Lord save, Lord save. And then we're told that they took, people were taking their cloaks and they put them on the donkey so that Jesus didn't even have to sit on the donkey. And then they were taking their cloaks and putting them, like this is their clothing. This would be like taking your jacket off and, and putting it on the ground and, 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 not, and wanting Jesus, even on the colt, to only have to walk on this kind of red carpet made of people's coats. It's a beautiful picture of uh, the love of the disciples towards Jesus. And um, of course, there's onlookers and crowds, but even the disciples had a wrong view of what was going on here. Uh, in their mind, the Messiah was going to be a political leader. The Messiah was going to be somebody who would come in and overthrow the Romans and, and set up a, a new kingdom. You know, in their mind, they're trying to make Israel great again. And this is the guy that's going to do it. They don't know that he's, he's coming to die. He's not coming to conquer the city and overthrow the Romans, and at least not in that way. He's going to undermine the Romans. He's going to undermine empire. He's going to undermine evil, but he's not going to do it with violence. And they're hoping he will come in as a political and military leader and rally the troops and, and a great war would start and we would annihilate the Romans and take our land back. But instead he was coming with not a violent purpose, but he comes to take violence, to absorb violence. He knew that the way to overthrow the evil in this world was to absorb it in himself, to take it upon himself. So the people are calling out and they say, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Blessed is to say He is blessed. He is good. We worship Him. Blessed is this King. We love our King. Now they have a wrong idea who the King is at this point and what He came to do, but they love Him and they trust Him and they're His followers. And they're blessing him. And the onlookers of the, the crowds are wondering what is going on. Who is this man and why is everybody celebrating him? And on the, on, others would have known of Jesus, of course, because of his great miracles and his teaching and all of this. And so it was a great moment. And it says that the people were saying, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 
In other words, this is a moment that heaven is standing up for. Angels are on the edge of their seat. Demons are trembling. This is a moment where God the Father is watching, and we watch through the text as Jesus enters the city. Now, some of the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they say, uh, you need to rebuke your disciples. They're claiming you're the Messiah. They're proclaiming you're God's anointed one. And Jesus' response is this. I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. What he's saying is this. I am the Messiah. And I am here to proclaim the kingdom of God. And I am what they are saying that I am. I'm just not doing it in the way that they think that I'm doing it. But if they didn't testify, the stones, the, the inanimate objects, would testify that I am Messiah and Lord. Now, <clears throat> the crowds are watching. The angels are standing silent. The demons are trembling and plotting how they might destroy him. Uh, the political officials and the religious officials are conspiring together how they might destroy him as he enters into the city. This is where Jesus becomes a lamb. And the picture of the lamb in the Old Testament is the picture of the sacrifice, the one who will atone, the one who will cover sins, the one who will reconnect us to God. Uh, it's a picture of the sacrifice that God promised to Adam and Eve, that someone one day would come and overthrow evil by crushing it. Uh, it's the picture of the sacrifice that God made with Adam and Eve when he covered them with uh, the garments, saying that a sacrifice will one day save you. It's a picture of the, the sacrifices all throughout the Old Testament, hundreds and hundreds of different sacrifices, all pointing to the fact that our connection to God will come through a sacrifice but not the sacrifice of bulls and goats and lambs, but through the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. John the Baptist says this. Uh, he saw Jesus coming toward him one day, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so this is what he's coming to do. He's coming to take away the sin of the world. In Isaiah, it, it describes what Jesus is doing like this. He had no form or majesty that we should look on him and no beauty that we should desire him. So he was not, uh, you know, some amazing Hollywood star looking guy that everyone would be like, oh, yeah, that's the Messiah, clearly. Um, he was despised and rejected by men. So for most of his life, Jesus was not admired and exalted. He was despised and he was rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows. Why? Because he's bearing the weight of sin in this world. It says he was acquainted with grief and that he was one from whom men hid their face. Uh, he, the, for the most part, Jesus was somebody who was despised except for by his disciples who were mostly the poorest of the poor. And then it, the Isaiah prophesies this, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord is laid on him, the iniquity of us all. Jesus knows 
that he's entering the city to have the iniquity of us all laid upon him. The sins, the rebellion, the mistakes, the hatred, whatever it is for you, my, uh, my private message on social media, he came to take away the sins by suffering for those sins so that we don't have to. He comes to become the atonement. Listen to what it says in this final verse uh, that we're going to cover from Isaiah. He says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He went to the cross nobly, bravely, humbly, powerfully. You see, the power, Jesus knows where the real power is, is not by fighting violence with violence. He knows where the real power is, is to overcome evil with good. And the way that he was going to overcome evil with good was to go right into the middle of it. He ran into evil. That's what Palm Sunday is. He ran into evil to save us. This is a rescue mission, but he doesn't do his rescue mission with swords and armies and guns and arsenals. He does his rescue mission by laying down his life for the world and overthrowing evil by letting evil overtake him. This is our path as well. But today we're thinking about him. We're thinking about him, that this is what he was up to on Palm Sunday. He knew what was coming. He knew where he was going. And he knew by doing what he was doing, all evil was going to have a judgment day. And so he went. And as he went, he thought about all the brokenness in this world that he wants to heal. He thought about the pain in this world that he wants to take away. He thought about you, and he thought about me, and he thought about our sins that separate us from God. He thought about our need for grace. He thought about our need for an atonement. He thought about vindicating the name of his Father. So he goes to the cross, step by step, as he's on the donkey, knowing that although they are praising him now, By the end of the week, they will kill him. But he goes anyway. And this is how he overcomes evil. The king defeats evil by becoming a lamb. He did that for so many reasons that we could talk about. But I want to finish by saying he did that for us. He did that for us. He did that because that was the only way to save us was to enter into the evil we deserve. He doesn't deserve any evil. He never sinned. He never did anyone wrong. He's the God who created the world, and He also lived a perfect human life. He doesn't deserve one bit of what He's taking, but He becomes a lamb that is a sacrifice for us, and He becomes an exchange. Instead of us bearing the weight of our guilt and sin and being overtaken by evil, He allows Himself to bear the weight of guilt and sin, and shame. And he allows himself, even though he is the God of heaven, to be overtaken by evil.
because in being overtaken by evil, he defeated it. This is the message of Palm Sunday, that our Lord is on the way, that our King defeated evil by becoming a lamb. Let's pray. Lord, help us. We as human beings, we don't always know the way of peace. And sometimes we choose hatred and violence and division. Help us on this Palm Sunday to see your way. That your way is a way of humility. Your way is a way of love. And that you conquer evil in a way that nobody would expect. But you knew that that was the way that it must be done. So we give you praise, Lord. Give you praise on this Palm Sunday as we think about you coming into the city. And may we, uh, throughout this week, contemplate what you've done as we move towards Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.